I pressed record just so Meta would say it I'll again. I'll say it again. Say it again. Does Gabby not give Adriana Lima right now? Look at her in this makeup. Like, I don't know it. what I mean, not saying. like you ever need makeup, but you look drop dead gorgeous. Thank you. I took new headshots today. If anyone's wondering why I don't look like a mole rat, that's why. Immediately puts mama. on a hoodie when she's done. Yeah, exactly. I've got a mama and I've got a Maddie. Come Maddie, come say, say hi. Come say hi to TMB. Mm. Oh, shut Mahal, up. Mahal. I know. Is jealous. Someone's going to steal her spotlight. Just say hi. hi. Just the girls. It's just the girl. Oh, yeah. She loves mm-hmm. Maddie. Mm-hmm. She does. Me. Maddie has big mom energy. We're having girl time. I can't I'm jealous. You, she I said you could. just have big mom energy, and that's why yeah. Mahal loves you. Hi. Oh. You do look uh, We wish you were I here, too. I put a hat on. She said, oh, yeah, you can hear She her. asked me why I put a hat on because yeah. I felt like it. Can you hear her? No, she can't. Yeah. Oh, she can. Yeah. I wonder if the Look audience can hear just, the ASMR content that's coming stop. out of Mahal. I know. Speaking of sex, Mahal's just making out with Maddie as much as humanly possible. You do look gorgeous. <sighs> Doesn't she? Thank you. Even though your camera's blurry. Yeah. My camera's so blurry. It's just when we record, it gets blurry for us, but then the quality's good once we post it. Oh my God. Speaking of technical difficulties. <sighs> Jesus, Meadow. Tell, yeah, just, just, you. okay. Oh. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to okay. take it away. Love you. Thank you. When I tell you guys Bye. that this was by, if you guys wait until the end, by the way, of every single episode and hear like a little thing, just can yeah. you still put that at the end of every episode? It's yes. Fine. At the end. Do you know that you're still at the end of every episode? Every Monday. Every Monday. Maddie making sure that we <laughs> say what we need to say. Okay. Exactly. All right. All right. We got to keep this short and sweet because this is quite the fucking episode for you guys. Can I just tell you that Meadow and I have recorded up until this point, eh, what, like 50 episodes? Yeah. Almost. Like Almost. we're in the 40s. We're in the 40s. Never once has what happened happened. Mm-hmm. And of mm-hmm. course it happened with one of the guests that we have been looking forward to recording with since we Months. started this podcast. Yeah. 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 Okay. <sighs> Emily Morse is here. <laughs> yeah. Sex with Emily is here. You might know her as sex with Emily. She's everything you want her to be in more. Like the most beautiful, kind, intelligent woman in the world. Okay. And we, yeah, keep going. The, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> had the pleasure of interviewing her. <laughs> we discussed her coming on the podcast. She is so kind and generous, like Meadow just said. Every technical difficulty that you could have possibly like think of in your brain happened during this recording. Mm -hmm. And then some. Tell them what happened when we finished recording. It was so so we go through this whole it's we had to start and stop like six times. There was different things. We were coming in and out in the middle of Emily's like beautiful monologues of all this gracious information. Okay, so we get off the recording. We're like, that's the best episode we've ever done. And we check our little system that we record on and it says our recording is one minute and 37 seconds long. Mm. And we talked for an hour and a half. So fun. So Gabby and I started crying and we called our editor, Kay, who you've heard us talk about, who we adore. And Mm -hmm. Kay saw the same thing we saw and we were like, it's a goner. We're going to have to ask her to come back. We have to do the whole thing over. We were really trying to like just, it happens to everyone. You know, it had to happen to us. We were like really trying to reconcile with it all. And then what, a day two Two later, two days later, Kay, the evil genius, evil genius, I'm saying evil, <laughs> I meant beautiful genius, but tr- truly evil genius that they are. I don't know how they did this, but they found it all, found it all, the whole episode back. Kay, I don't, I don't know what you did. Kay, if you're listening, you are because you're editing this. Kay, I don't know what you did, but my God, do I love you because <laughs> it, wow. 
We worship the ground that Kay Truly. walks on. Okay. Should we talk about what happened in this episode? Yeah, quickly. Because let's just get to okay. it because it's so All good. Right. Let me let me just take a moment because if you don't know Emily, you're confused. But I will give you a quick little bio. And I'm going to read it from her website because there's so much to say. She is, first of all, doctor of human sexuality. Okay? She's a doctor. She has been talking about sex on the internet before talking about sex on the internet was even remotely a thought that you could have in your brain. Yeah. She has the number one sex podcast on iTunes called Sex with Emily. And she's got a serious XM radio show. She's a best-selling author. She is our fairy godmother of Absolutely. everything sex. Absolutely. <laughs> she makes us feel comfortable and empowered to talk about our bodies and sex and everything in between. And we talked about a whole lot. Talk oh my gosh, we lot. talked about so much. I mean, one of my favorite things we talked about was using your orgasm to manifest. Obviously, that's my favorite mm. thing. We talked a lot mm -hmm. about masturbation. We talked about our other favorite thing, healing and like discovering having like a sexual healing after having trauma. We also did a cutie little Q&A because all y'all love to talk about sex with us. So we did a Q&A from the audience and we talked about things like how to communicate with your partner, how to talk to them about your needs. Oh, a compliment sandwich, oh, which is God, a very a good tip sandwich. for talking about sex. We mm -hmm. talked about what to do when your partner tells you they have erectile dysfunction. I mean, we talked about it all. We sure we did. And the majority, if not all of the questions that we asked were from you guys. Yeah. We probably like smushed some together into one nice meaty mm -hmm. question for her. But like this was really an opportunity for us to just be facilitators Absolutely. for you guys. And let us know if you guys want us to be doing more stuff like this where like we ask you, we kind of give you a hint as to the topic that we're going to be talking about and have you guys send in questions because obviously we want TMB to be a place that's actually resourceful, not just entertaining or a clusterfuck, whatever it is you think it is. We still have so many questions left for Emily and Emily so graciously has already agreed to come back. So... So as you're listening to this and more sex questions come up, send them to us because we will put them oh, on please. reserve because yes. Emily is coming back. Oh, God. If I could just, like, be her roommate. Oh, oh, stop it. <laughs> I'm like, Emily, can I move into your house? <laughs> Adopt it. <laughs> also, she did this in the middle of a move. Oh, my gosh. Just the kindest woman in the entire oh, world. Oh, oh, I do want to say, first of all, can you tell her scatterbrain? Yeah. Okay. B, I do want to say that the sound quality on this episode because of our technical difficulties, yes. was not the best thing we've ever had. Yeah. Um, a lot of going in and out, both of our Wi-Fis were just actually telling us to go fuck ourselves the entire time. Um, so Kay has sorry. made it so that hopefully you cannot tell, but also please be gracious with us because we're yeah. thrilled that we even have an episode for you today. <laughs> yeah. So you're welcome that it's not just an hour and a half of men or I crying. We'll thank Kay for you. Enjoy the episode with Emily. Get to it. Emily, thank you so much for doing this. I'm really excited We're to be so here. so happy to have you. My favorite topic, mental health, sex, it's all connected. Yeah, it all really is. And we, I mean, just like we were telling you before we hit record, like our audience asks us so many questions about sex and relationships. And so mm -hmm. we really just took this opportunity to ask them, like, what do you want to know? We're having someone amazing mm -hmm. on. Please send all your questions. So towards the end, we're going to get to like some more rapid fire community Q&A type of things. Okay. Cool. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's help them. Amazing. Yay. We start, though, all of our episodes <laughs> with asking our guests what they're currently unpacking. It can be anything. It can be light. It can be heavy. It can be in between whatever you're feeling. 
you're quite literally yeah. moving. Yeah. So it could, it could be that. <laughs> can I go with the literal? Yeah, I can. just moved into a new home. No, I can. I, I actually like going. I like. I like going deep. I like going surface. Um, but really, what am I unpacking right now? I would say no. I just moved to a new home, which is really amazing. So I am unpacking it. It was a big move to just kind of land in a new space. Mm-hmm. I think I was. I was kind of living in a. Uh, place that just didn't really feel like me for a while. So I finally found a home that has more space and I'm loving that. So I'm unpacking that. But I would say what I'm really truly unpacking, because, you know, let's be real here, is I think I've always been really, I'm a kind of a workaholic and I've always mm. had a really big passion and drive for many years to sort of change the way people think about sex and to make sex less taboo, get people to prioritize their pleasure. You know, I started this Podcast. This is heading into my seventeenth year. Wow! And I know, right? For like, I need your skincare podcast. routine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow. I know. Right. Long. Right. Long freaking time. And so, so I still work a lot, and I still love it because there's still so much work to do. But also, I'd love to kind of figure out that whole elusive balance. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you still do all the things you want to do and have time for um, more pleasure, which is what I'm all about: getting people to prioritize their pleasure and liberate the conversation on sex. I still work at like, is it possible to like take a half day on Friday, yeah. <laughs> make more time for other things. So yeah. what does that actually look like? Because sometimes I think that we all have those choices to, to to decide when we want to work, when we don't, and you can always be more efficient. And um, and some things I think are just habits that are really like in your, in your like in my tissues, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the whole, um, you know, body keeps the score, like the mm-hmm. issues in the tissues. Like I feel mm-hmm. like some things are like, I won't know how else to be unless I'm really, really busy doing so many things. So I'm really consciously trying to work and look at my schedule and say, like, do I have to really be doing this many things? Can I look ahead and plan so there is more time for creativity and for friends and for love and all the things? Cool. That's what I'm looking now consciously. And that only supports what you do. It only supports, like, your practice and, like, that stillness is how you discover where in your body, like, those emotions are moving through. Like, that's so supportive of your work anyway. So you can kind of, like... At least that's how whenever I'm struggling with a balance, I always try to like reframe it like, well, I have to do this in order to be productive. You know what I mean? You yeah. try to like mm-hmm. trick your brain into believing it's for work when you're actually just yeah. learning to relax. <laughs> exactly. Well, I've also learned that pleasure is actually productive. So yes. when pleasure, I don't just mean sex, but we'll get into it. But pleasure is really about like what makes me feel good. It's spending time with friends. It's going on a hike. It's, you know, maybe it's like decorating my house yeah. or walking my dog and then I look at the week and I think if pleasure is productive because the more pleasure I have in my life the more things I'm doing that I love I'm so much better at everything else yes so then mm-hmm. I think if that's the truth which is is and I'm actually writing a book right now my book's due in like a month and oh my about gosh this, so it's like how do I really do that how do I really yeah. feel that I'm looking ahead and then kind of reverse engineering my life and saying this is the priority for the week how many times am I doing things that are actually for me yeah and then it makes everything else you know, kind of flow better. How is the writing process for you? How's it been? The writing process, it's been really intense. It's been a long process. I'm almost nearing the end of it, but it's been really good and really hard and uh, painful and ups and downs and triumphs, but I'm getting towards the end of it now where I'm just very, very excited to get the book out. Cool. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. We're going to have to do a little TMV book club. I know. Oh my gosh. We really do. Can you tell us a little bit about the book or like, have you not 
this does too much. I can, I can. You know, it's funny. Like the last thing that I, I have not decided on is a title yet, um, okay. because there's a few things happening, like logistics with the title. But the title, it's really about a new way of thinking about sex. I think it's going to change the way people understand their their sexuality, and it's really about pleasure. It's about prioritizing mm-hmm. pleasure in a way that's very, very tangible. Um, and I think it's going to kind of that pleasure is presence and pleasure is productivity. Mm. And there's some great formulas in there for people understanding themselves on a deeper level, um, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and how all these things uh, sort of factor into being sexually healthy. Because I think for so long that people are like, when it comes to sex, people always have very specific mm-hmm. questions, right? Like, how do I spice it up? Mm. Or why can't I have an orgasm? And, and the thing is, it's not like a quick fix. Like if someone came and they're like, well, um, I'm feeling depressed. Like you wouldn't just say take medication. You might mm-hmm. say like medication is helpful, but mm-hmm. get therapy, make all these changes. But with sex, for some reason, it always feels like it was this one area where people were just like, I don't got a lot of time. What's a quick fix? So I figured out a diagnostic tool, um, that's going to help people. I don't want to say what it is yeah. yet, but it's a really interesting approach that people on their own can now look at these factors and figure out where they're at sexually wow. and empower them to answer their own questions and set them on a path. Wow. wow. Help them for the rest of their life. That's yeah. going to be, that's Pretty so cool. exciting and going to be so useful because first of all, I love that you use the word tangible because mm-hmm. I think that so many people overthink sex and they always look to others, which is helpful to like, you know, ask their questions, but then we sort of end up doing things that may not feel natural to us because we're just like using other people's mm-hmm. ways of being, I guess, and not sort of like getting in tune with ourselves. It goes back to that idea of figuring out what actually feels good for you mm-hmm. And learning to explore from there because I think a lot of times when people like ask when we like meet people who talk a lot about sex and experts in the sex industry like it's all sort of like what's the word that I'm looking for it's it's like elusive like yeah it's like elusive and it's very much like almost like elitist in a way where Mm. it's like well if you haven't reached like this level like I'm gonna use all these big words and all these toys and all these things and I'm just gonna throw it at you and people are like. Well, I'm just trying to figure out how to like switch positions. Especially you know what I mean? Like very basic. so tied yeah. into it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. love that you're like breaking it down to the basics. I think that's so yeah, important. That's People what, like skip so many you. steps. Yeah. They do. And, it's, and it, is, it is like I, I love what you said because it really is about finding what feels good to you mm-hmm. and then do more of that. It's not like and everybody does something different. Like I always say if you put like 100 women in a room – and you ask them all to masturbate, for example, which would actually be really interesting. Have them all touch themselves. They would all be doing something different because yeah. they'd all find out what feels good to them. But yet with sex, we think there's like one way to do it. And this mm-hmm. will make me a great lover. And this will make my partner orgasm. But no, we have to do that inner work to find out. We can strip back the layers of everything we've known about sex, everything we've told about sex. And the book kind of helps to do that and say, going back to the basics, like who am I and what feels good to me, and then expanding from there rather than like all this mm-hmm. information coming in and seeing what works. So just wow. kind of finding it's a new and then learning that, feeling good at that, and then advocating for yourself in a sexual situation. Like this is what I want. Yeah. Are you down with that? I want to know what you want too, and let's create a sexual experience together rather than it should look this way because of porn or my best right. friend like it this way so it might be good for us. You know, we get to create it on wow. our own. I also love what you said earlier, which Gabby's going to laugh at because I'm, I'm just deep into blending spirituality and psychology so much recently. So when you were like, pleasure is Mm -hmm. presence, I've been on my, like, everything comes back down (laughs) to being present. Like that's just the number one rule. So literally everything. Oh my God. I mindful. Be mindful. 
And I, yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. I have you. so many questions for you about spirituality and sex. But before we talk about right. kind of like the new ways to think about it, I did want to quickly ask you just to establish a baseline. Did you ever have a sex talk? And what did it look like? Oh, did anyone ever have one with yes, me growing up? Yeah, yeah. No, no sex talks at all. Wow. I had one day in sixth grade where we had uh, sex education mm-hmm. and they they, it was a boy. It was a they separate, young boy yeah. and girl. Uh-huh. So they didn't right. even separate us. Oh, though. interesting. Oh. Maybe, maybe they did for like, it was like a six hour thing, maybe three hours. Like they were like, this is what happens when you have periods. And then mm. for men, so then we came together and it was like awkward. I remember one boy raised his hand and was like, can you have sex underwater? Like that's all <laughs> I remember about it. And then it was done. And the teacher yeah. was like, yes, you can. And that, and that was it. So no, that was it. And then it never wow. came up again. And certainly nothing came up about um, pleasure. pleasure. It yep. was all fear based. Yep. It was like, never. Don't get yeah. pregnant. Yep. Don't get an SVD. Have a nice life. So, and that was it. No one talked about it again. So it was a very minimal, minimal sex talk. And the problem is that, like, and my parents were pretty like open and liberal mm. in the sense that my mom was like, "Oh, if you have a question, ask me." But what I'm finding is that kids don't know what I didn't know what to ask. exactly right. Yeah. I didn't know. So that no, I didn't. Did you guys have sex talk? I can't remember mine, to be really honest. But I think it was like along those lines of like, definitely in school, they did that whole separation. But I think my mom is one of those parents who like led with, I'm very open about sex. Mm-hmm. But then like when it kind of came down to it, it was like, what are you? So we definitely like talked about it. It was just, I remember, I remember the masturbation conversation because I was learning about it in Ooh. school and I asked her about it, and I remember I like actually wanted to like disintegrate and just die. Like on the, <laughs> I was mortified, like I, mortified. She's like, "It's really normal, sweetie," but it made it sound like it was like a weird sickness that people get. That like it's normal, you'll get it, but like you'll be fine. Like that's how I like felt about it. It was so. Ugh, Meadow, did you? Yeah, well, so my mom was always really. It feels similar to you, Emily. Where like my mom was really open about it, but like I never like sought it out, I guess. Like I I remember even asking Mm -hmm. her probably in middle school when we had the same like sex ed class, like, did you ever even, how do I even know what sex is? Like, I don't remember learning. And she would tell me, oh, like when you were like a two-year-old to be like, how are babies born? I would tell you, you put a penis in a vagina, it ejaculates, you make it. She was like, I told you like scientifically from when you were little. So I don't ever remember like learning about it. And then she would, oh my God, my mom would drop me off at high school roll down all the windows, honk and go, bye, honey, do lots of drugs and have lots of sex. Like that's the type of mom she was. So it was like funny and she was open. So because she was so open and forward, like that was funny, but also embarrassing. So I never really, like you, I didn't know what to ask. Like I didn't go seek it out because I was like, whatever, she's in, I don't want to hear about it from her. (laughs) You would become mortified either way. That's so interesting that, so if you never, what, was there like a light bulb moment where you were like, okay, this is what I need to be talking about. Like, this is what I'm going to do with my career. Yeah, that was it. It was like, well, I was always on this path to figure out what I really wanted to do in my life that was going to make change. Mm-hmm. That always felt really important to me because that's where I got the most excited. Right. You know, I think you're always looking for those dopamine hits when you're looking for a career. You're like, what's going to mm-hmm. make me excited to work? Like, what am I mm-hmm. passionate about? Like as, as artists or creators, I know like, um, like you're a writer, right? Mm-hmm. Gabriella, like it's kind of your background. I don't know about you, Meadow. You're a therapist? Is that in No, your, I used to work for NAMI. So I'm just mental health professional, oh. but not licensed therapist. Okay, mental, got it. Right. So you like kind of find your, kind of sort of follow your heart or your passion. And the book I read after college, the first one was like, do what you love, the money will follow. 
and it always felt really important to me, like, do what you love. So I kept kind of trying to figure out what it was. And so in my 20s, I, I moved from, I went to University of Michigan. I'm from Michigan. And I moved to San Francisco because oh. it was like the year of the woman. Oh, do you live there? My whole you... family's from there. I lived there for years. It's my favorite place in the entire she world. She doesn't stop talking about yeah. it. She's hey. obsessed with yeah. it. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I Let's move back together. Yeah. <laughs> we might. We might. It might happen. I moved to LA 10 years ago, but I was there after college and I worked for Barbara Boxer and I worked in politics. Wow. Because I was like, there's only two women in the Senate and I'm mm-hmm. going to work in politics because that's my first career. And I loved it because I was like making change and getting people to vote. But then I was like, but this isn't quite me. So I kept kind of pivoting. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until I was like, it's in my like early 30s. I was like, oh, I want to... I made a documentary about politics that wow. was like the bridge. But then I was like, what am I the most interested in? And it kept coming up to me. I was like, I was in relationships. I was a serial monogamous. And the sex would be good at the beginning, good. Mm-hmm. But not great. It would be, it'd be okay. And then like about six months in or a year in, I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to have sex with this person anymore. Or I got bored. And then I realized I have zero information about sex. I wasn't having orgasms. I felt everybody was. I thought that I was just sort of behind the eight ball. I'm definitely an overachiever. So I was like, I want my sex to be great. So it was like 2005 and there was no, it was like the first year of podcasting, but I also had this idea of doing a documentary in San Francisco about, it was called Searching for Sex in San Francisco. And I was like, I'm going to go around the city and ask you about their sex life. And I started to do that for a few months. It was like shooting this, this footage. And then I, someone at the time, I had an intern at the time and she was like, what about podcasting? I'm like, it was literally 2005. She's like, what is that? She's like, well, it's just like audio. Like, you don't even need the video camera. And I was always a fan of Loveline, which was like the longest running call-in show about sex. And then, and there was certain anonymity to just audio. Yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. I just thought, well, gosh, I mean, here I was. I was like in my 30s. I was having sex that I was okay, not great. Definitely wasn't having as much pleasure and as much orgasms. I assumed everyone else was every single time that they knew what to do, and I had this huge deficit. Mm. Came to find out after the first podcast, so what happened to me was I invited a bunch of friends over to my place in San Francisco, had this little apartment, kitchen table, hired some guys up Craigslist to come with a big sound yes. equipment, and I sat there, and I just said, I want to interview people about sex and see what, what, what they think and what kind of what does great sex mean to them. Turns out, I found out that nobody was talking about it. Nobody had any information, mm-hmm. and I wasn't alone, which also felt great, and literally there was Dr. Ruth. Dr. Dr. Ruth was it. That was it. it. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's not okay. And, and we need to find more people. I mean, she was great. So then I started, but then after I did that first podcast, I recorded for six hours and I was like, oh, this, this is it. This is mm. what's going to change people's lives, change mm. my life. Let's get the information out there. Shouldn't be so taboo. And then I've just literally been doing a podcast ever since. Wow. But I went back to grad school. I got my doctorate in sexuality and it's taken two or three turns. I've been on the radio, done TV, written another book. But it's always been this past about sex education. I've been very passionate about it. So that's how it all happened. It was just from my need of like, why don't I know? I thought men knew. I'm like, well, they're having a good time. Yeah. Like they're always having orgasms. So it just I mean, it wasn't just obviously about orgasms, but that's how it started, it started to a place of like a deep place for knowledge and not find it there was any other place to go for it. Yeah. Wow. And now that's obviously amazing. There's, there's so many more people talking about it now. Wow. I, that's how it started. I love how you talk wow. about like the, the idea that you thought like you were the only, like you were just out of the loop. Because it's such a I misconception. Everyone knew more. It's everyone yeah. like there's this there's this show out right now called Tell Me Lies. And right. I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it, but it's no. it's great anyway. TV show or podcast? TV show. Or it's TV a it's a TV show on okay. Hulu. And it like follows college students. I'm ready. But it's great, very drama, great show. 
one of the characters in it, that is sort of part of her storyline is she's like lying to everybody about like, she's like, oh, I come so easily. I have such quick orgasms. Like it's like, and like all of her friends are like, what do you mean? Like, what am I doing wrong? And it's this whole little storyline weaved in. And I was like, I love that they're portraying that. And it's sort of portrayed in the way of like, she just is always faking it to like pretend Mm -hmm. like so that her boyfriend thinks that he's like great at what he does. But she's like never even had an orgasm. And I feel like it's this giant misconception that like everyone else is figuring it out. Everyone else. And we have questions about that from our audience. So people are still asking. I may, I may reform. I faked orgasms for 10 years. Like I I was literally. We've all done it. Yes. Yeah. So like, this, but this is no way to live. Why are they having orgasms and I'm not? So yeah, that's so there's a whole show about it. I love it. Can you give a quick one-liner for people listening as to why it is imperative to not fake an orgasm? Yeah. Well, right now, first of all, it's a disservice. Essentially, if you're faking an orgasm, what you're saying is I find my partner's pleasure and enjoyment more important than my own. Mm. And you're not quite because you're thinking like I want maybe you're a people pleaser, maybe you're taught like because I used to think well then sex is successful if my partner had an orgasm because I want him to feel good or her to whoever it was with. And then, so that's one reason. It's also just a disservice to ourselves, but also it's a disservice to your partner. It's coming from a place of, of, of really you're basing it around like lies. You're not being, yeah. you're not, you're, it's disingenuous. And then you're also not being fair to this partner because they're thinking, I please every woman I'm with. Mm-hmm. Like this is, she feels amazing. So it's actually, it's actually not fair to them either. How great if they knew let me show you what works for me because then we're all on the same page and everyone's feeling good because then you're just like, you know, you just hear from people who are like, I mean, not to put this just in gender, but typically for men who are saying like, every woman I'm with has ever had an orgasm. I was like, oh, like I bet that's that not true. <laughs> yeah. So it's a disservice. It's just not honest and it's not teaching. Like you could also like pay it forward and be like, okay, buddy, this isn't working for me, but here's how it works for me. You might not be my lifelong partner, but I'm going to teach you a few things about my body so we can all like, you have a relationship based in a place of honesty and trust rather than like lies to stroke someone else's ego. I'm internally screaming because what <laughs> I've been unpacking so much this whole past year was people pleasing. Like I'm so, I used to be such a big people pleaser. You've and come what, so far, Meadow. You I've really come have. So far. Thank you. you really have. And what burst the bubble for me was when I reframed it to like, oh, I'm controlling. Like if I people please, I'm controlling them. I'm controlling the narrative. I'm not giving them autonomy by not telling them the truth. This is the sex version of that. Like when you're doing that, you're Mm -hmm. like letting them walk around with an inflated ego. You're robbing them of their autonomy. You're robbing them from like an experience by like not by lying essentially, you know? Oh, so true. I love that. So true. Yeah. Like I just realized too, it's like it's it's sort of people pleasing is a manipulative. Yeah. It it's is. a manipulative attack because you're actually manipulating people to like you more yes. or to control them because you're not actually giving them any honest feedback. So it's actually almost worse. It's, it's manipulative. Yes, absolutely. I'd love that to know how you did it. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah that, that really, that really. Well, it sounds like you've made progress. Your friends yep. are, you know. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I you have. have yeah. <laughs> let's, maybe let's start with communication then. Like if that's our big issue is like having the confidence or the strength or the tools in order to communicate and not lie and not be controlling? Like, do you have some baseline level confidence communication tips? Oh, yeah. I mean, communication, I think, really starts with kind of really understanding yourself. So doing your own work, understanding that you are a pattern maybe of a people pleaser or someone who's conflict avoidant, which kind of go hand in hand. And my main thing is just finding people that you feel safe and you trust, maybe even practice, right? Mm. It's a muscle. 
practicing with friends and people that you trust and just saying like, hey, I'm kind of working on boundaries and I'm working on being real and I'm going to tell you that this thing you did didn't feel great to me. So you can practice it and see like, oh, no one died. It felt great. We <laughs> yeah. were able to work through it. Like, it's fine. They still love me. You're still my friend. So my thing is just like realizing uh, and being okay to have it be clunky in the beginning, but mm. you realize that the things that are holding us back from being honest communicators is this mythical fear in most cases that someone's going to leave you, abandon you, and the friendship right there, and the relationship. But the people that really like love you and support you or have a growth mindset are going to be like mm. okay with it. And so I think it's just recognizing it, practicing it, and just doing it at the right time. Mm. Obviously, like you don't want to just forget people when they're not ready for it. I have a lot of stuff on my website. I talk a lot about like timing, tone, and turf, like mm. my three teams mm-hmm. having any awkward communication conversation with anybody. A lot of times we have conversations that are not the best time. Right. You're agitated. You're like hungry, angry, lonely. Halt, I always say. You're you hungry, angry, lonely. You're tired. That's not a good time in a conversation. If it's a sex conversation, you want to have it outside the bedroom. Mm-hmm. When you're going on a walk or you're going on a road trip and then you're like, tone is like light and mm-hmm. curious. How do we how do we get curious about something? I'm not going to be judgmental, but hey, I thought it might be really good to talk about our relationship and our sex life because I think we both want to be great lovers and great communicators mm-hmm. so would you really be trying to do it so I think that's some of my top rules are just finding the right place to do it and the right tone to do it and that it's just really important to yeah to get clear on what you want to say and what your goals are and fucking have therapy and yeah. do enough work on yourself so and it becomes easier over time I believe once you know yourself yeah I mean Team, there is the the line of mental health and sex. It's all it's all all connected. It really is. Do you remember we talked about when I interviewed you for Bernie? We talked about the compliment sandwich, Mm. and I thought it was very helpful. Love the compliment sandwich. Can you explain that? Sandwich is excellent. So when it comes to sex, so here's what I've also realized. You guys will appreciate this, but in writing the book, it was like, oh, you know what? Whenever we bring up sex to a partner, it could just be the simplest things like let's use lube, let's try different positions, let's talk about when we're going to have sex, like Wednesday nights don't work for me because I got early mornings on Thursday, whatever it is. But what I realized is that sex is so triggering for people mm-hmm. and most people don't talk about it at all. Like literally, they, they most people don't bring it up to them. Not only do their parents not talk to them, but in most relationships, we don't talk about it. That when you do bring up sex, I have found that many people are going to fight or flight because mm. it's so like, <gasps> mm-hmm. you're bringing up sex. It must mean that I've done something horribly wrong. Yeah. I'm a bad lover. I'm not lovable. And we go into this like, like terrible, like fight or flight. Like mm-hmm. I'm angry or I'm mad at you or I'm leaving or it's over. So it just becomes fucked. So if you know that, knowing that, that it might be triggering because not, because your partner doesn't want to be a great lover to you because literally they haven't heard anybody bring it up. It's just the subject matter that if someone brings it up at cancer, Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to be a serious conversation. Sex feels serious and threatening yeah. for your partner. So knowing mm-hmm. that, we can put some parameters in place using something like the compliment sandwich where you're like, hey, you're using all the timing, tone, and turf. You found a great location. You're chilling with your partner. Your tone is relaxing and curious. And you say to them, you know, like, let's say there's one thing that you want to give feedback. Give me one. Do you guys have anyone, like, something that you might want to talk to your partner about? Is there anything you're like, I'd love to or anyone's partner? Like a feedback piece, like maybe uh, um, you want them to initiate oh, more. Maybe you want it to slow down. I mean, if there's anything in real time that we could work on. Let's look at the questions from the listeners to see if we have any that can be in the compliment sandwich. They, you guys asked us such good questions. I love that. 
Okay. Okay. This could, we could maybe use this. Okay. Someone says how to come with penetration. It seems like I can only really come with petting in quotes, et cetera. Petting. So maybe okay. talking to your partner about like. We said it again. She's not coming with penetration. Right. And she yeah. She's not coming with penetration. Petting. Like she needs her fingers. Yeah. She needs well, okay. So, so yeah. just first for context here, the majority of women are vulva owners, as I say in my show, the majority of women are not going to orgasm from penetration. Only 20% mm. of women do. 80%. Wow. Yeah, 20%. That's and of those women, it's not every single time. And literally, just because genetically they were the way they were born, their clitoris is closer to their vaginal opening. And therefore, mm. they're more likely to, it's not that they're like had some like magical skills. It's literally they won the clitoral birthplace lot, birth lottery or whatever, like the genetic lottery. That's it. So 20% of women do, which means most of us don't. So we do have to have these conversations with our partner. So how this might go is the sandwich goes this way. The first sandwich is a piece of bread. The top piece of bread would be like, this is where you give the compliment, right? You're like, you know, I realize that we haven't maybe talked about our sex life lately. And I just want to say that I love when you go. So probably maybe she does it through petting. Maybe for fingers is how she comes. Maybe more so is what I'm hearing. Or her mouth. Let's mm-hmm. say it's a mouth thing. Let's say it's like oral sex gets in there. So she could say like, I love, you know, our sex life. It's been so hot lately. I love the way we make out. I love the way you slowly undress me. Whatever it is, you give a compliment. And say, what I'm really loving is how when you go down on me, it feels so amazing. Like that's the first thing. Like you give him a compliment about how great he is with his, with his, with his tongue. This, this guy is great with his his tongue and pleasing her. And then the middle part is, you know, and I realized that I actually am not, haven't orgasmed to really do penetration. Well, and I love the way you feel inside of me. The penetrative part doesn't really work for me. So that would be the middle piece of the bread, like the stamp, that would be the meat. So you're saying a compliment. Mm-hmm. I love all this about it. You do all these things great. And the middle part would be like, um, but I realized that like, it's really not through penetration where I have the most pleasure but it's really when you are using your tongue or your fingers, that really, really seems to get me going and that gets me over the edge. And then the final thing would be like, and so I really hope that we could kind of find ways for you to kind of incorporate more of your fingers in your mouth in the situation because then I know I'm going to have like the most incredible orgasms and pleasure and it's going to make me want to even, you know, and I even want to find out more about you and what's going to make me give you the best pleasure. So does that... That is such that? a helpful, tangible tip. Okay. Oh, I that's, love the so, I mean, yeah. So it's like whatever it is, it's like it's like you're great. Hey, babe, love you. Love all of these things. Number two is like, and maybe we could try this because it would feel good, but here's what's really not working. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, and here's why it's going to be great for both of us. Mm-hmm. That's how I sum it up. And the other thing I want to say, though, to finish this, round this out, is that while only 20% of women orgasm through penetration, the majority of women are going to orgasm with a mouth. Mm-hmm. Hands or toys. Those are the three top ways women have orgasms. Not a penis. Sorry, truth yes. over. Not that we don't love your penis and bring yeah. the penis in and it feels so good to be connected and penetrated, but that's not going to be my nirvana mm-hmm. ever. And it's okay. And we're all good. And your penis is nothing on the penis side. Your penis is fine. You're doing great. This is just the facts. <laughs> Should, on that, should we talk about size myth? Just briefly, just because you said it, I just think I have been with all different shapes and sizes and 
if you make it work, you make it work, baby. Like it's about, it's all the same stuff mm-hmm. we've been talking about, but I'd love for you to speak to it more. Yeah. I think there's a huge myth about side of it. What makes me so like my heart goes out to men everywhere because they're so obsessed with their penises. Oh my gosh. It's so <laughs> sad. <laughs> so it's truly so sad. It's sad. <laughs> and they're yeah. way more obsessive with it than we are. Yeah. I think it should be so much bigger. Yeah. I mean, the average penis is about five and a half inches erect. And, but yet they have this like, they have this concern that it should be at least seven, eight, nine, whatever they see in porn. And so then ultimately they are disappointing their partners. Um, and the truth is like, there's so many other ways to be a great lover, right? As we said, mouth, hands, paying attention, going down your partner, all the things that I think once we can like let them know that and it, like, like this is actually what feels good. It allows them to kind of calm down and realize, oh, okay, like, there's so many other ways to play. So like spend all that time you're obsessing about your penis and channel that into what can I learn about this beautiful body in front of me? What does this vulva want? Okay, let's get to know each other. Yeah. Let's get to know your vulva and how it can be a great lover because, you know, that's what's going to do it. Now, here's the thing. I'm not to say that there aren't some women who are with men who are like, you're insane. I need a huge penis. That's what works for me. Of course, there's going to be people like that. There are definitely women who want, and men who want to be with a large penis. Like that is the source of their arousal and that works. Because nothing is universal. Everyone wants something different. But, and, and, and guess what? If your penis is smaller, then those partners are not yours. They're not Mm -hmm. your partners. Mm -hmm. But there's also some men who prioritize, Mm -hmm. for example, large breasts, Mm -hmm. super large breasts, tall women, long legs. I'm not going to be his girl. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's okay yeah. too. So I know that. So it's kind of like just find your person and they're going to care about your entire package, but not the package that you think about. It's the entire package, not just your penis package. It's so true. And also like maybe if we spoke to female pleasure more, I mean, I guess we are now, now, I mean, way more than when you were starting and there was no one but Dr. Ruth. But I think maybe as we learn that more, maybe it'll help people with penises not be so attached to them because you're like, oh, you're, 80% of you aren't coming with it anyway. Yeah. So what does yeah, it like, matter? sweetie, you're not that, like, it's not that <laughs> right. important. Yeah, like, exactly. relax. Exactly. Like, let's, let's. You don't even, like, if you bring your penis in, you do, you don't. Like, and again, people are like, oh, you're kidding me. I love the penetration. And I love penetration too. That, that we all do, but we're just saying it's not the end all be all. It's like part of the recipe that we need. Totally. So that's how I want to Yeah. I love I love what you said about like getting curious about your partner and like being excited about the body that's in front of you. I think like personally, like in my, oh God, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing anything about (laughs) our sex life. I'm going to text him later and be like, Hey babe, we talked all about our sex life today on the internet. Whatever. The point is that we, we, like what makes our sex life great is we're both so curious about Mm -hmm. the other person. And we were literally having this conversation last night at dinner with some friends. I was with a couple of my girlfriends. We we like joke that we can categorize men into like two categories. Like they love pussy or are attracted to women. Obviously, there's people that fall in the in-between. But like we we joke, obviously it's it's just a joke here, team, but like we we categorize men in that way. What do you mean they love pussy or they love women? What do you mean what's the difference? Like or like attracted want- to women. So like the, we talk about it in the way that like men have sex, like men that we've been with at least. Okay. Where it's like the men that let's say are attracted to women, the men in that category, like, yeah, but it's more about their pleasure. They know they're gonna come. Like they obviously like are attracted to women because they're sleeping with a woman and they love women in that way. But it's more just about them. Mm-hmm. Then the men that fall into the category of like love pussy are the ones that are like, they're really fucking curious about you. Like mm-hmm. they they want to get to know your body. They want to understand your body. And like 
you know that they love pleasuring you. And so it's like a fun little game that we play where we're like, which one are they? But I don't know. From my experience, men that fall into the category of love pussy category, they're the ones that you have the best sex life with because they're really curious about you. And that's what it is. You're curious about each other's pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that binary. I think it's kind of true. I think there's, I, 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 I totally see that. I used to joke. I'm like, there's just some guys maybe that just aren't into it. They're like, yeah. not my thing. Like, there, it's like, I love all the things about sex, but like the person take it or leave it. And then there's the ones that are like, let me get in there. Like, what does it smell like? Look like, taste like, like, wow, did you ever notice this little vein here? And you're like, I love that. And then I'm always wondering, can you ever convert the men that aren't into it into it? Like, if you're, if you're just, not, a good question. I would think it's like tomatoes. Like, some people love tomatoes and mm. some people don't. And do you ever become like a tomato lover if you're not? Like, I don't know if you're just born this way. They're like, nope, I'm never going to venture over into the vagina territory. <laughs> like, it's never going to do a thing. And like, that's okay too, but just know who you're going for. Like, I actually yeah. want someone to eat into it. Right. That's so interesting because I, I loved what you said earlier about growth mm-hmm. mindsets and like a growth mindset mm-hmm. when it comes to sex. And I feel like that's kind of like a cool place to play with that. Like, I wonder if you know, sexuality, like uh, we're just assuming every, in this case, the men are sexually attracted to women baseline. But then I wonder if maybe like working on yourself or learning to have a growth mm-hmm. mindset or going to therapy allows you to like play in that category in a way where you're like not attached to the shame. Like to me, mm-hmm. it's like shame and fear is what holds yeah. them back in, in some mm-hmm. of the love woman category or attracted yes. to women category. So that might be absolutely. Can we, can we, before Same. we get it, cause I know we have so many community questions, but selfishly, I need to talk about sex as a spiritual practice with you first. Yes. Tell let's me every, let's tantra, like discovering kinks after healing, like sex after trauma, just say all the things. Mm. Oh my God. <laughs> well, if you want to direct it in particular, is there anything, like, I mean, but yeah, all of it, sex. Okay. To start with like mindfulness and sex. Yeah. Like for, yeah. I, I think I've been a practice. I, I practice. A lot of mindfulness for a very long time. I've had a meditation practice probably about like 25 years. Cool. So it's been like a really important part of my 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 path. Um, and I still, you know, you never arrive. Of course, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. being mindful and meditative, all the things. But what I've realized is that the more present you are with your partner in the moment, the more you know, the more you're going to be able to connect to what what is in the moment and understanding your partner and your body and what you want. So the what some of the biggest challenges with sex are that I always say like there's like these things called the pleasure thieves. I write about this in my book. Stress, trauma and shame are like mm. the three things that are killing us out of bring us out of the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm so worried about my penis size or my breasts or how I'm doing the move. Is this a good blowjob? My partner did that bet his ex gave a better blowjob. All these things pull us out of the moment, right? So that's anti-spiritual, anti-connected, mm-hmm. anti-mindful. So mm-hmm. when you can be with someone where you're like truly grounded in the moment, like every time you're with a new partner, it's like a new time to create your own sexual experience together. And so for me, like sex is the, is the presence. You can bring that to the moment and do the mm. practice. Like I do this all the time. Like if my mind's wandering and I'm like, oh, like I didn't finish this work email or I don't really feel connected. All the things are in my head. Either I'm just like, I'll stop. I'll be like, you know what? I'm not really ready to go forward right now with this actual situation. Or I'll try to do a practice. And this is something great for, for grounding in the moment. If I find that my mind's tripping and not connected and not mindful, I immediately think of the five senses. Mm-hmm. And I'll say like, I'll say, because, because anxiety, stress, and worry can't live in presence. Mm-hmm. So I'll think right now, mm-hmm. if I go, okay, um, 
five senses. What am I smelling? Okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm smelling this vanilla scented candle. What am I feeling? My hands are in a partner's body. What am I hearing? I'm hearing my partner's breath or my breath. And I go through all five. What am I touching? Like my partner's waist. It grounds you immediately yeah. in the moment. So I can't be living in touch. And I might have to do that 10 times, but it brings me back to the moment. So for me, that whole practice, like if you meditate or if you any practice, mm-hmm. go to yoga, you can bring that into the bedroom. And I think it will help so many things because then you take that attention back. You go, okay, what am I feeling? Oh, I'm actually feeling my partner's hands in my body now. And I'm back to the moment, back to the moment. Because when you're out of the moment, you like pleasure and stress can't live in the same moment. So if you can find a way right. to like ground it, that's, that's, that's really one of my practices. And also even with my partner, like if I'm stressed out or we're going, we're both not connected, I'm like, can we just stop? And I want to give people permission to know that once mm-hmm. sex gets started and if it's escalating to a point where you're not ready, or, like I was really into making out and out now, but how are my pants off already? Like I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. I'll literally be like, oh, babe, can we hold for a minute? Like, let, can we just stop and breathe? And obviously, to be the partner who's down with this, because if we're worried that our partner like, really you want to breathe, then maybe they're not your partner. Mm-hmm, but my yeah. dad's like, yeah, babe, let's do it. And we'll sit. And he probably needs it too. And we'll breathe. And like, automatically, we look into each other's eyes or we're just breathing together. And then we connect and we reset. We reset. Mm-hmm. And knowing mm-hmm. that sex doesn't be linear. It's okay to start, stop, yes. and bring it back. So I'm always trying to create, because I know now I'm so in tune that if I'm scattered or stressed or worried, the sex is just not going to go well for anybody. We got a question. So bringing in a little community question that was exactly about this, but it was about masturbation. And it was like, how it, they say, how do you get out of your own head when you masturbate? Mm. So these Ooh. are great tips that you can translate yeah. right. into that. I, okay. Well, I have a whole chat. I write a lot or talk a lot about mindful masturbation. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like the most excellent practice, practice to do that. Because most masturbation, we want to just go in and like hit it and quit it. Like, I'm going to rub one out. I know it feels good. And then I'm going to move on, right? I got this vibrator, this thing, and like, it's over. I'm done. <laughs> but with mindful masturbate, which is fine too. We need yeah. stress relief. You want an orgasm, right. you go about the day. I fall asleep. But mindful masturbation is a practice of really, really, truly being like in the moment and present. And you're really just focusing on your breath and your sensations. And the goal is not orgasm. The goal is exploration. So you're just kind of sitting there and you're, and you're, like slowly just sort of getting curious about how it feels to move your hands over your body. Like, how does it feel on my nipples? How does it feel if I touch the nape of my neck? And you just, you might have to keep going back to the moment because your mind's tripping like, well, where's the orgasm or where's the next thing? You keep bringing it back. It's the most, it's the most like synergistic, I think, mindful, meditative. I always call it a meditate, masturbate, manifest. Like I have candles and I have This is I have like literally t-shirts. how, Emily, <laughs> this is exactly how I healed my sex trauma was mindfulness, <laughs> man, like orgasming or I mindfulness, know, masturbation it. and manifesting with my orgasms while I did mindful manifest. I can't even say I all the M's. It. I'm it's freaking out because you're preaching. Oh my God, yes. No, we got to talk about yeah. sex magic after. <laughs> Wait, I want to just say one thing real quick that I think- I knew so- you were going to be all over the sex magic. <laughs> I'm so it. into it. One thing that I think is just so important to reiterate is the same, it, it just goes back to the same thing you were saying about communication and the importance of communication outside of the bedroom so you feel confident in was, once again, having a mindfulness practice outside of all of this allows mm-hmm. you to work on a muscle that you can then flex in the moment and like experiment with. Exactly. That is like such a key piece of where mental health and sex are so aligned is like all these self-care practices mm-hmm. outside and independent is everything that is supportive in the moment. 
please talk about sex magic. This is so my favorite <laughs> shit in the entire world. Me too. Yeah. It's well, so I think, great. I mean, the thing is, I think it goes right back to this, to the meditate, 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 masturbate, manifest, where the whole like sex magic from what I know, and I just, again, I don't really, I don't really practice as much, but I do know the whole thing of like when you are, like, because how I do it is I like to set up with some, every morning with some a meditation. Some days it's 20 minutes, some days it's two minutes. Mm-hmm. And what's really important, side note, is giving yourself permission that you're just doing it. It doesn't have to be perfect. But please don't let your spiritual practice be another thing that you are Judge. trying to be perfect at. Yeah. Judge yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So then I would do that. And then, like, I'll keep, like, a vibrator in the shower. Like, get a great waterproof vibe. So it's there at the front and center. And then, or doing your bed, wherever. Then I would, like, masturbate. So I would meditate, masturbate. And then during the masturbation, and this is where I think the sex magic is when you have your orgasm is when you sort of manifest. You're like, yes, mm-hmm. you shout out, I'm having an orgasm to the universe because it's such a divine feminine presence. Your orgasm is yes. a spiritual practice. So in that moment, if you can kind of channel it all in the moment and sort of state it, yell it, spiritual, feel it deeply, embodiment, and release that thing that you want that would be the magic part of it right yes during yeah. the orgasm or during the so yeah bringing that all in the intentionality of it it could be and the manifesting part could be orgasm it could be writing it down in a journal mm-hmm. and then orgasming it so mm-hmm. so different ways of like just connect i think the whole purpose of that is just connecting your orgasm uh, with your manifestation in like the same moment mm-hmm. because you're connected to the divine mm-hmm. to the universe have you ever tried it with a partner? I've never tried it with a partner. I haven't no. either. I usually do just when I'm masturbating. That's interesting. Do you do so? You do this too. This is, oh, I, I do it. Oh, no, this we is talk about this all the time. Me. Oh, like, oh my god. I'm okay. obsessed with manifesting while I'm masturbating. And I literally, the exact same practice as you is I will do a 20 minute meditation and like getting present and meditating will make me horny to want to masturbate. That leads me to then journal afterwards about my <laughs> manifestation. I do the exact same thing all this year. It completely <laughs> healed my sacral chakra. I love that it healed your shut your trauma. I'm so glad we're talking about this. It'd well, be so helpful. For we have so a lot of questions listeners. about this. And we Go have ahead, listeners Meadow. just because I've I've openly mm-hmm. shared, just to clue you in, Emily, I've openly shared about how like even specific positions, like I I trigger warning for anyone, I've had um sex trauma in a specific position, doggy, which then later, like what was that, six months ago now, Gabby? I had sex yeah, in that was- position with my partner now who's the love of my life. We've been together for years, is incredible. I'm like, it was all fine and dandy. And the second we were done, just bawling, bawling, because we had mm-hmm. sex in that position. And I, he had made me feel so safe and so loved and so pleasurable and nice. And something that had made me feel so unsafe for so long, it just made me lose my mind. And my whole goal for 2022 was to heal my sex trauma. That was my only, oh. that was my only New Year's resolution was heal my sacral chakra, heal my, heal my sex trauma. So I've been just doing all these practices and that specifically mindfulness, masturbation, manifestation is what, is what monumentally yeah. changed it for me. Oh my God. I so love thank it. Thank you for sharing you. about it. Thank you. I know. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing about it in real time. Cause I think a lot of us have sexual traumas and when we, and thinking that like, we just kind of have to like live with it, but yeah. you can really turn, if you are with a loving partner who understands like this is the stuff that doesn't, isn't working for me or the trigger on me, 
it, it's a really beautiful thing when you can turn your trauma and, and make it a source of your, actually, your eroticism. Yes. You can mm-hmm. flip it, totally. right? It becomes, so then it can become a source of your eroticism. Yes. So empowering. It is really like, empowering. And it does so Taking much for your worth Oh, my God. It's it's everything. Yeah. confidence to conquer more things. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love Thank that you shared that. Thank it's you. so helpful. Okay. Let's, I add, think let's give our community some answers because yeah. I could well, selfishly take up your time so same. much. Like, I can't yeah. even handle it. We, I mean, this just shows that we're like on point of what we need to be talking about because all the things we're talking about, we have questions about. Oh, so, perfect. Starting with the trauma. Somebody asked, how do I overcome shame after an assault and feel sexy about myself again? Mm. Mm. That's a good question. I mean, I, well, I think it's some of the stuff ah, that we're talking about because mm-hmm. shame is so deeply ingrained mm-hmm. in who we are, um, for from such a young age too. Like, mm-hmm. first off, the shame could come from a cultural upbringing where it wasn't okay to be sexual. So maybe you heard a message at the young age that like, if you masturbate at your sex, is not just for procreation. Like, you're a bad person. I think for so long, women have felt shame around even just desiring sex or wanting sex. But specifically, if you have a sexual assault or trauma, it sounds like, and then you, and then you blame yourself for it. So then you've got all this internal messaging and it's just really hard to feel sexual again. So I think the first step is like just even knowing it. So this, this listener was able to just kind of his hone in and like, I want to be here sexually, but this shame part is holding you back. So that's like the first thing, which I think is great is to get there. It does really help to work with like a trusted counselor around it. I do think that if she's mm-hmm. actually had, you say she had sexual assault. So, she said, yes, yes, yes. Um, okay. So I think a lot of that helps with having some trauma therapy. I think EMDR therapy yes. is really, really, you guys have, me too. That was really great. Yep. Yeah. I love EMDR therapy. That was huge for me because essentially it rewires the neural pathways in your brain. Mm-hmm. So whatever your trauma is, when it happens, for example, doggy style, for some people it could be like walking to a parking garage or making mm-hmm. out with someone, whatever it is, is triggering. But what the EMDR does is through this practice with a practitioner, which I know what I love because you don't have to go in for 20 years. It actually mm-hmm. works a lot quicker. And mm. the neural pathways of your brain, like the neuroplasticity that we can actually rewire our brain around a certain event so it no longer is as triggering, which is probably why you had the, the tears because mm-hmm. you were like, wow, I was able to do this thing that previously would have like, yeah, I was going to say brought you to your knees, but you're already on yeah. your knees in it. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But yeah, so, so these things work. So then, but then, yeah, so I think that that's really helpful to, like, I, to recognize that like, I don't have to do this alone. Yeah. I recognize my trauma. I'm finding a great trauma practitioner. And mm-hmm. then through that and finding trauma, I mean, I think you actually just better describe that. But that is the process yeah. of coming, it, it coming through is recognizing it, owning it, and being with a partner mm-hmm. that you can say, these are the things that are going to make me feel uncomfortable, I have found. And so I'd love to work with you on moving past it. Mm-hmm. So to me, is that does that answer the, the question was how do I move past it, right? Was that, um, yes, that, how do I overcome it? Yeah. yeah. Overcome it. I think it's therapy. I think it's being learned, finding a partner that you feel safe and vulnerable with. And can we just say mm-hmm. that like enough of the partners, and you've probably got this from questions here, oh, but my partner won't talk about it. My partner's not down with it. My partner... Get a Might not partner. be your partner. Get a new partner. <laughs> like, like it's not about yeah. like get bye. Like, if that's yeah. your partner's like, I've never done this before. I'm curious. 
tell me more. Mm-hmm. Like my partner, and I believe me, I've had a million partners, like therapy is mm-hmm. not my thing. I'm like, okay, well then you're not my thing. Or inner work isn't my thing. But if you have partners like, tell me more, I'm so curious. Tell me about it. And they want to work with you. I think a lot of us, what we, what we do wrong in this area is that we think we have to go it alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to figure it out on my own. I got to, I had the right. problem happen to me alone. I'm going to solve it on my own. But the more you could bring in really healthy resources, I think is the best way to learn to work with it and move past it. And side note, you don't just move past it. I don't think it ever goes away, but you learn how to manage it and then it's less triggering. And it could even be turned into a source of arousal, but it's always going to be with you. And that's okay too. Second part of this question, because I kind of want to stay on this sex after trauma situation. Good, yeah. What if, because they, they're asking also about like how to feel sexy and their, themselves again. So what if you're single and you, mm. you don't, you like, you're not interested in having sex right now, but you just want to feel sexy for yourself and feel pleasure again for yeah, yourself. Yeah. Thank you for bringing it back to that. I thought that we were, is that is, here's the thing about things, feeling sexy again. It's, it's a journey just like everything else. And it's really a practice of embodiment of feeling more connected to your body. A lot of times we don't feel sexy because we feel like we are completely disconnected from who we are as a sexual being. Like if we had a thought, mm-hmm. we might not want to even touch ourselves. We might not want to be sexual or feel sexual. Um, and so then when we're with somebody, we're like, why can't I just get it on again? It's because we are sort of been abusing our body, even mentally saying, like, I hate my body, or I don't like the way I look, I don't, all these things. So I think how you learn to be sexy again is to learn to kind of move in your body, start doing things. Like I think movement is really important, like a movement practice to be exercised, but I think dance is really helpful. Getting comfortable in it being naked. Yeah. Like really expose your therapy. Looking at yourself in the mirror, in your room. People like, sometimes it sounds healthier cliche. And I never know if it's because I've been saying it for so many years or people like, oh, really, I'm going to do that. But how else are you going to, if sexuality is about our own energy and what we're bringing, it's not about anyone else making us feel sexy. It's truly like learning to like release tension and be like, I am a sexual being. So for me, like how I did this, and we do practices in grad school all the time, like literally get naked in the mirror and say like, okay, I I might not like all these things in my body, but what do I love? I'm okay, but I kind of like the, the nape, my, 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 the way my ear, this little slope here to my neck, um, down to my shoulder. That's kind of a sexy part. Like even if it's just like, oh, my hands are kind mm. of sexy, my inner elbow, it's sort of this giving attention towards your body parts, whether it's like exposure, you're getting comfortable being naked in your bedroom after a shower rather than mm-hmm. just lights are off, but like rubbing lotion on yourself, looking in the mirror and like forcing mm-hmm. yourself to be like, this mm-hmm. is my body. I'm going to learn to connect with it and, and like it. Even if it's not love it, like it's like this whole like love your body thing. What if it's like yes. body neutrality? What yes. if it's I don't actively hate my body? Yes. What if it's like I'm actively working on just mm-hmm. sort of being cool with it? Like we're in this together for life. How are we going to do that? Right. And so I also think the mindful masturbation practice that I talked about is a really great way to learn to feel sexy because if you're not distracting yourself with porn or thoughts or other things, mm-hmm. but you're just like, I'm actually just going to get curious about how it feels when I move my hands all through mm-hmm. my body and feel the pleasure I can bring myself. Well, that might really help me again start to feel sexy and realize like my body's freaking amazing. I can give myself pleasure. I can have great orgasms. Um, and I think that that that's all like a practice for starting to feel sexy again. I don't think it's hokey at all. I literally maybe last week was brushing my teeth and I was like standing there like this and I was like, 
And I just like kind of like moved and like held. I was like, what if I just was so hot right now? And I like looked at myself in the mirror. You know what I mean? Like in those small little moments where I'm like, Mm -hmm. I could stand here like a little dope or I could like look really hot and I'm just brushing my teeth. No one was there. Aaron wasn't home. You know, it was just me by myself. But just those little, even in like dull random moments, it does help the way you like carry yourself, feel your energy through your body, like it move yourself true. around. It it's, it's not hokey at all. So true. It's, it's, it's so another true. Another big thing for me that helps is breathing yes. practices. I think like breath work and meditation, like I cannot emphasize that enough because it's all energy. So sexual energy slash feeling sexy is mm-hmm. all related. And I think that for me, when I feel the most like sexual in my body, like, well, let's just say this. If I feel stagnant, it's not like I'm walking around and I'm always like the goddess of sexual confidence and steam. Like it's a practice, right? Everything is. But I know that when I do some breathwork practices, and even if it's a few minutes of breathing, and I am consciously, intentionally doing a deep breath where I breathe into my pelvic floor, and that granted your breath isn't going into your pelvic floor, but you're feeling it, and maybe you do a little kegel, or you will squeeze there. Mm. And then you like, mm-hmm. breathe in, you squeeze it, and then you release it. And you repeat that maybe 10 times, just that activation of your pelvic floor, and those muscles of the squeezing, it's like the kegel of the tensing. and It's like that pee-stopping muscles where you're stopping and starting the flow of urine. Mm-hmm. That is your sexual organs. That's, that's, those are the muscles responsible for orgasm. Mm-hmm. Those are the re- muscles that are responsible for pleasure. And if you think about tantric practices, it truly is all about the circulation of energy from your mm-hmm. pelvic floor up to your head, down mm-hmm. to your back. It's a circulation of energy. Yes. So you circulate yes. and you circulate yeah, it. Yeah. And so just breath work and practicing, I'm going to do five to ten deep breaths. And we have to move the energy and then you have an undulation of your spine and your pelvic floor is moving in and out. Like to me, that gets me really in my body and starts to feel more, I guess, sexy and in touch. Because our energy is stagnant. A lot of it's walk around when it's cut off. We are completely, literally, we do not know what is going on down south. So if you start to move it and break that barrier, to me, that really helps to flow the energy and keep it um, alive. Oh, I love that we're talking about this. And that's like another, me too. That's another visualization yeah. you can do during sex. Like you could literally picture it from the bottom of your spine up and down yeah. or like moving to each chakra up and back and up and back and working your way mm. up. Like that's another cool example of the, besides the five senses, you could do something like that. Yeah, with a partner I do, I do like, time. I, yeah absolutely. It helps you get so present. I mean, selfishly, yeah. like I'm yeah. Meadow knows and the listeners know, I'm like really big into my acupuncture journey right now. Oh. And that's all about moving yes. energy. Yeah. And she makes me get really present yeah. of like feeling mm. certain parts of my body and like the energy flowing. So that's like a really great mindfulness thing. It all comes back to mindfulness, guys. Okay. Let's see. It really does. Um, okay. Is it normal? Um, she goes, they go bad word choice, I know, but is it normal to only have sex every once in a while, basically once a month? Uh, with a partner? Yes. Okay. So here's the thing about normal and the time. People people love to ask, how many times should we be having sex? So we're like yeah. n- normal and typical. And I'm never going to give people a number. I'm not going to say, well, it sounds like you should have sex like 1.2 mm-hmm. times a week. However, <laughs> if I know people ask that, it's like it's really case by case basis. Every couple gets to decide the amount of times that feel good to them. Um, so I think that typically once a month, I would say probably isn't enough. That's probably why she's asking. Now, only because, no, wait, wait, let me back up for a minute. If both you and your partner, like, we feel so great with once a month. It's, it is, mm-hmm. we get our needs met, we love it. 
every other day of the month, we're holding hands, we're doing other things that really enhance our intimacy and we feel great. Mm-hmm. But usually people are asking because there's one partner that like wants a little bit more. And yeah. I want to remind everyone that there is a higher desire partner in every relationship and a lower desire partner. They Unfortunately, two high desire people barely mm-hmm. come together. And if they do, it's only the beginning of the relationship and then they settle in. So mm-hmm. knowing that and that the lower desire partner has the power in the relationship because they're the one who's deciding, they're like essentially the gatekeeper to sex. And they're deciding when you're having sex, mm-hmm. there's going to take some communication and some work around and couples being, realizing like, I only want it once a month, but you want it once a week. Like, how can we kind of compromise here and find what, 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 mm-hmm. looks, what that looks like? And so maybe it's like scheduling sex and saying like, no Saturday night is going to be our night. And we're going to like, we're going to try to find other ways to connect. Another thing I want to say here is a lot of times couples are craving sex. They say sex, but what they really mean is intimacy. They want mm, a night great of maybe just connecting mm-hmm. or erotic massage mm-hmm. or maybe it's mutual masturbation where we know we're both getting off, but it's not penetrative sex. If I could do anything or a few things in this life, it would be de-emphasizing the, the, the focus on penetration as being because sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good. It's that time of month. It's not even how we're going to get off. But what if we could do other things? Like my partner and I do this thing where it's like once every like few weeks, like we try to do it now more regularly. We're like on like a Monday, let's say I have a massage table and like it's one night where I'm just giving him, I'm giving him a massage. It's all about his pleasure. And then there's another night where it's about me only. So then we don't have to worry about giving back, but we're receiving and it's just like really, really hot. So we've worked about ways to kind of make sure that we're getting our needs met. It can be really stressful too sometimes to be like, I got you got off, no, I got to get off. So I, I guess I just encourage people to to figure out what they actually want when they say mm-hmm. sex and finding mm-hmm. what works. Amazing. We have a couple of more questions for you from the audience. Let's see. Okay. Started by hooking up on the regular. It's been over a year now. And now he never wants to have sex and claims it's ED. Help. Oh, he's erectile dysfunction. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Huh. Did she say how old he okay, so Mm-mm. so she's saying that they've they started hooking up on the regular for how many months? Or it's months? been about a year. It's oh, been about over a year. They've hooked over, over a year, year they've been hooking up. Hooking up meaning it's like casual. Yeah, I'm assuming. And now and now he doesn't want to have sex because he has he's not able to get hard maybe and stay hard. And which is common. That happens. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a little bit about he probably has some shame but also some confusion about it. He should definitely go to a doctor and like like that's not okay. Like I think that would it's not okay to say like I just got ED or I've just got this problem or I have pain and let's just not have sex. Get to the bottom of it. Why is he experiencing erectile dysfunction like what is actually happening is he on certain medication is he have a lot of stress is he worried is he anxious so he probably feels bad that he's not able to stay erect and stay as hard as he wants to so for me that would really be a health thing like i would have him go get checked out by his doctor do some blood work and figure out what makes him why what that is because i don't think it's okay to opt out of sex and say like i just can't do it because i'm having this challenge right now but like she could be like loving and be like i understand you babe but let me support you in figuring out what this ed is all about because you don't have to live with any of these challenges whether you pain during sex or erectile dysfunction um figure out what it is and uh, get to the bottom because usually it's a symptom of something else could be low testosterone again stress worry anxiety medication 
feel like that was a great question to end on because the rest of the questions that you guys sent in, which were amazing, we sort of talked about. It was a lot about mindfulness, a lot about like coming back, figuring out your pleasure, how to put your pleasure first. I feel like we really, really hit all of the all of the marks. I feel like I learned so much today, <laughs> and I think that I know oh, a lot so about sex. Hear that. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with talking about sex, and I feel good in my sex life, and you know, empowered. But like, I learn so much every time I talk to you or I listen to one of your podcasts and mm. read your interviews. So I'm just so grateful that you came today because I know this was so helpful for our listeners. Oh my god, such a pleasure! Thank you for having me on. I think you guys are doing great work. It's really important topics you're talking about so yeah you're so welcome thank you open invitation yeah yeah i would love it oh thank you both thank you for having me thanks emily thank you guys so much for listening to the thoughts baby podcast every monday